Welcome to the Wake Up Call podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Hopkins. By day I work in corporate, but I have an obsession with all things personal development. So I became a life coach and started this podcast as a way to help others break free from living a life that's good on the outside and wake up to the one they actually want. When I got to my most uncertain place, all I wanted was someone to say, hey Alicia, you're a little off course and this is what you need to do. That's what I wanna be for you. This podcast is a place where I want to share my experiences and provide you with community, knowledge, and inspiration to make change in your life. Sometimes we get a little lost and need help course correcting. If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Let this be your wake up call. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Wake Up Call podcast. And oh my goodness, this conversation you're about to hear. So I don't know about you, but the idea of being in a group, in particularly with women and my past, has represented things like comparison, um, bringing out my insecurities, right? And so many times I think groups whether we look back to our younger years in school or college, even jobs, shoot, even the neighborhood you live in, right? It's like we use the the notion of a group as this marking of you fit in, you've made it, you've achieved something by being a part of a particular group. But what often comes along with that is hiding who you really freaking are, right? You show up as the best version of yourself. You're trying to show up as your highlight reel, right? Like. And the irony is, I think we all are looking to belong in an authentic way, yet we go about it in a way that is inauthentic, right? We're trying to show up and put out this image of who we are, thinking, you know, that that will gain us acceptance. And the person you're about to hear today, my guest, Vanessa Cornell, she is, in my opinion, just a game changer in what it means to build community and find belonging in community. She's the founder of Nushu, a wellness collective and global community committed to fostering true connection, personal growth and empowerment. Vanessa believes that in holding space for true community, it allows others to show up as themselves, vulnerable, real, and that's where the real personal awakening and transformation takes place. I could have spoken to Vanessa forever. I think you are gonna enjoy this, especially as someone, if you relate to that notion of just feeling vulnerable to show up as your real self, who you actually are. You know, if you find yourself really hiding that in a group setting, I think you're gonna learn and see a different perspective. So guys, without further introduction, let's jump into the conversation, my chat with Vanessa Cornell. Vanessa, I am so excited to to dig into this conversation about women in community. So I'm curious from your standpoint, what do you see as some of these barriers? Like why do we tend to fall into these traps of comparison and just letting our insecurities come out? Like why does that happen in women in groups, do you think? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, And the answer to your question is because we're human. We're human and we're afraid. And everyone has their own internal narrative. You know, when you think about comparison and insecurities and competitiveness and groups of people, what does that come from, right? It comes from a place of, I just want to be loved and accepted. But if I show this part of me, maybe someone will judge me. If I show this part of me, maybe someone won't like me. 
So we're, we're nervous. We're afraid. We want to be accepted and we're worried that we won't be. And so we tiptoe around each other in these groups, in these sort of, when you think of, you know, a, a bunch of women getting together and chatting and um, social, we're tiptoeing around each other because we're not sure and we want to be accepted. And if everyone is tiptoeing, then no one's connecting. And everyone has that internal narrative in their own head that's saying, well, oh my gosh, she looks so put together. <sighs> She's got it all figured out. I am a hot mess and no one wants to be around a hot mess. And so I'm also going to pretend that I've got it all together. And so that internal narrative is leading us all astray. That internal narrative of I am the only one. I'm the only one who has these types of thoughts. I'm the only one who's not pulling it together. I'm the only one who's not achieving. I'm the only one who's struggling when it's just not true. It's just not true. And so what I've worked to create is a place where people can experiment with telling the truth about what's really going on. And we're explicit about creating a strong container to do that. And what happens is, one person will say something and then the next person will feel a little bit more permission because they'll say, oh, that, that person's struggling? I couldn't have possibly imagined that that person is struggling. Oh, interesting, interesting. And then another person will talk about something else and they'll say, oh, I feel that too, but I thought I was the only one who felt that. And it is this domino effect where, you know, I run these groups and at the end of the group, then when people have experienced it the first time, the number one thing they'll say is, I don't feel so alone. I don't feel so alone. Because the place I started, we're all human. We all have this full range of fears and struggles and pain and insecurity. And when we know that that's true about everyone else, it's much easier to handle. It's much easier to manage. And in that place where we're able to share all of the parts of us, not just the shiny ones, right? Not just the curated, perfect family, perfect job, Instagram part of our lives, right? That curated part of our lives. You cannot connect with someone with, when you're only showing that part of your life because it's not true. It's not who you are. And if you don't show someone who you are, they can't know you and you, they can't connect with you. My definition of loneliness is an inability to show people who you are, an inability to show yourself to others. And so in these groups, what we're fostering is a place where people can tiptoe into this place where they don't have to be afraid to tell the truth about who they are. And it's pretty simple, but I think it's powerful because it plays to our deepest, most primal instinct and need, which is to belong, to belong and to be loved. And when you are putting up a lot of barriers and a lot of masks and a lot of armor, you are an island, you are on your own. And so I've, you know, I've become sort of obsessed with this idea of um, loneliness and this epidemic of loneliness and why we're in this place 
and I see it everywhere. It's like, I just, you know, it's like, I look around and I see these people who are so, so isolated and it doesn't have to be, but it's, it's just comes from a place of humanity. You know, it's, it's the fear that we all carry around me still, right. All of us still, we never sort of are immune to it or are, you know, if, if someone, if someone can let me know, you know, maybe the Buddha, someone can let me know how to let go of all of these very, very human things, <laughs> fear and guilt and shame and all of these things. Um, that would be great, but I hold them all too. We're all just sort of in this place, but creating a space where we can just be honest and true about what's going on for me has changed everything. So powerful because I often think about, you know, we walk around wanting to show up as our best selves, right? Put the best version of Vanessa or Alicia or whomever out there. And it, it sort of becomes our own protective armor when all it's really protecting all those things you mentioned, like the insecurities, the hurt, the, the things we're scared to be vulnerable about, you know, and showing the, the ugly side or the imperfections. And what I'm hearing from you is that you're fostering community or building groups that it's okay to show up just as you are, right? Like showing the real side. And I'm curious of how are some of the ways that you are able to break through, you know, you mentioned like in your groups, you know, creating, you know, guidelines or explicit rules around it, because I do think it's still risky, right? I think people feel fearful to really show the real them. And sometimes I think some, we don't even know who the real person is, right? We build these armors, right? Like that strikes something in you, huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) I'll tell people, you know, if you want to connect with someone, you have to show them who you are, but that's very difficult if you don't know who you are. So that is a whole, you know, that's a whole other topic of discovering who you are so you can show people because those those barriers and those masks and that armor prevents you from seeing yourself too. It doesn't only shut other people out. You become disconnected from yourself. Uh, but in terms of, of giving people a safe place where they can share because it's scary and it's risky. I want to go back to what you said is showing our best selves. I figured out that the very, 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 very best version of me is whatever version is most truthful, whatever version is most true. And that's how I try to show up. So that's how I show up um, in group. It's how I show up with my team. And it's how I show up on my Instagram account. I will share things. I, I literally wake up in the morning and I will say what feels most true today. Whatever that is, that's what I share. And people are shocked that I'm sharing what's true. I'm not sharing anything shocking, Alicia. This is not like crazy shocking things. This is like, I woke up this morning and I felt like I couldn't deal with my day. I'm a really high functioning person. And today I just couldn't get out of bed. I mean, I'm I'm not sharing anything earth shattering, but what's earth shattering is that I'm not censoring it at all. I'm not, I'm not curating it at all. Whatever happens to be true is what I share. And what I realized is that's how I'm helping people, right? That's how I'm, that's my gift to share my willingness to be honest, my willingness to be true. And so we think that we need to sort of, in order to be powerful, in order to share something that's going to help people, 
we have to be above them or we have to in some way be qualified or we have to in some way be set apart in order to have the authority or the power to be helpful and to, to, to tell people what to do. We can get to that later also, that whole tell people what to do part. But what I found is the more I tap into and am unafraid of what's 100% true to me, the more impactful my work becomes. And so that sort of philosophy carries through the group. And I train the facilitators that hold the space in group. And the training is really, you know, it's about the technical skill of facilitating, but it's really about this understanding of how can you create a culture and an environment where people understand that this is the place to show up exactly as you are. That not only are you accepted, but you're reminded often that that's what we do here. So for example, you know, and I'll, I'll go over the structure of the group, but I'll give you an example of how the facilitators do this. Sometimes in group, people share in order and they're sharing in response to a prompt that the facilitator will give. They'll have a couple minutes to journal on it and then they'll share. Whatever comes up for people, the facilitator will say, whatever comes up for you is exactly right. You may have somebody who shares right before you and the answer to their question is incredibly deep and powerful and moving and emotional. And your answer to the question, frankly, was funny and light and not that deep. People might feel judgment around, well, compared to her share, my share seems silly or irrelevant. And so the facilitators will say from the beginning, there is no such thing as a better share than someone else's share. Whatever is present for you is exactly what we want to hear. And they'll reinforce that and it will happen several times in group where shares will sort of be very different, very different depending on where people are. And as people watch this, they realize, oh, okay, I get to be, I don't have to adjust myself for other people. I get to be exactly where I am. And the facilitator might introduce the prompt and say, if you're over here, that's great. If you're over here, that's great. Whatever it is for you, don't judge where you are. Just, just settle into what's present for you. And so that's just one small example of how I train the facilitators to create the safety in the space where at any point, you know, because I know exactly where we judge ourselves because my brain goes there too. Right? My, my brain goes there immediately. It's not that I'm immune to it. It's that I've figured out where my brain goes and how to calm it down. And so I train facilitators and when I facilitate, we actively undo those obstacles over and over and over again in group. Um, and to go back to structure, the, the way the group is structured, it's eight to 10 women. We've actually had men also, but mostly women um, join our groups. Eight to 10 women with a facilitator. The facilitator will go through group guidelines that are really designed to sort of um, give the explicit rules, intentions, expectations of how people are showing up in the space. And so there are guidelines about no fixing, no judging, show up as who you are. The energy you bring into the space is important. We, um, when, we, when we cry, we don't apologize or we try not to apologize. It's always our instinct to immediately apologize because we're caretaking everyone. Um, but they really have to do with sort of setting those parameters for how we're showing up in the space so that unlike a social gathering, 
We're not tiptoeing around. We've, we've, we've explicitly laid it out on the table. We are all agreeing to this. This is how we're showing up here. And what that allows is people dive in so fast. And so facilitator, eight to 10 people, they'll go over guidelines and then the facilitator shares prompts, everyone journals, and then everyone goes one by one. Everyone gets one turn with a round of prompts and there is no crosstalk, no advice giving, no reactions. You just get to say your piece. And that is challenging for a lot of people, um, difficult for a lot of people because they want to give acknowledgement. They want to sort of make people know that they're listening, right? How do we make people know we're listening? We acknowledge, we say, I hear you, or I feel you, or I went through the same thing, but we've already told them we're listening through the guidelines. That's the whole premise. And so it's uncomfortable for some people in the beginning to not be able to react or give advice or say, well, this is what I would do. But holding that space open is so extraordinarily powerful because it's such a rare experience. To be able to hear yourself think and to know that no one's going to respond means you don't have to adjust it to anticipate someone's response. And it means that the people listening don't have to be thinking the whole time about how they're going to respond, how they're going to show the person that they're listening. They can simply really listen. And that is a very different type of listening and a different type of witnessing that is quite profound. There's a lot of things that that resonated as you were talking and something that's been really present in my life. There's going to be irony now that I just said that word, but presence has been something that I've really worked a lot on. And what I'm hearing in the construct of your groups that you're working with, that presence is really crucial because it, it, it means being in the moment with women. And I love that you touched on the fact of, I think the tendency when we are in groups, we are so busy thinking like, how will I respond to this? Or, or even like you said, like someone makes a profound remark and then we're thinking like, well, shit, what am I going to say? Like we, that just happens in community with group. I think right. Boiling down to comparison. And when we really just hold space for one another, it's amazing. I think, you know, in our conversation leading up to this too, you talked about like this notion of holding space, giving us back like to the reliant on our inner knowing of ourselves, because we do fill ourselves up with so much chatter, both perceived and real, that I think it's hard for us to even know who we are individually. So, and, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that you shared more about, you know, the group and what you're doing, because I do want to segue more into, you know, how you came to found new shoe, why this mission is so important to you, because up until really this year, I really have not experienced true community in women. And I think that's what you're building. And I, and I, the reason I stress community is because I think sometimes when we think about groups or cliques or whatever, I think that really takes on that, that mentality of the comparison and fitting in and blending in, but something about community feels so powerful to me. So could you tell us a little bit more, how did Nushu come to be Nushu group? Like, tell us more about the why behind it. Yeah. I mean, like so many of these stories, it started with my own need. I, for, you know, 35 years was an overachiever, perfectionist, people pleaser, you know, like probably many listeners listening. I went to 
Harvard. I was at Goldman Sachs. I was a straight A student. I was a, you know, squash team member at Harvard. We were nationally, I was, I was like a type A hard charging, check all the boxes kind of a person. Lots and lots of accomplishments. And then I got married and I had five children in six years and I was pregnant breastfeeding or both for eight years straight, but I was that same hard charging person. I was that same stoic, don't show any emotions, don't show any weakness, put your head down and do it, don't complain person. And I had a lot of capacity and a lot of bandwidth, but you know, five kids in six years, um, even the strongest of us <laughs> can't, can't get through that. And on the other side say, no problem. That was fine. It's that, that was easy. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was incredibly difficult. I didn't sleep. I, I can't even tell you how difficult it was. And yet to the outside world, people were like, oh, Vanessa, you're so calm and you handle it so easily because that's what I was projecting. That's what I wanted to project. That's what I wanted people to think, but it was a lie. It was a total lie. And it's a lie I thought I needed to tell. And I kept telling that lie until I fell apart because you cannot hang on to a lie that big for that long. And, you know, I'll sort of use the metaphor, a steam pipe that lets off little bits of steam every once in a while, isn't going to explode, but one that is holding it all in and the pressure is building and building and building, it will explode. And so it did spectacularly all over my life. It was a horribly messy, painful time in my life. And as I, picked myself up from that time and tried to put my life back together. And I was very lucky because I have a husband who stuck with me through that time. Um, God bless him. It was not easy for him. It was really painful. Um, but as I sort of put my life back together, I realized that the problem was I was so disconnected from myself. And as a result, I was disconnected from others. I went through this period in my life and I never told my mother, I never told my brother, I never told my friends, nobody knew, not a single person. Imagine going through the most difficult, dark night of the soul, crushing, almost losing your entire family and your entire life and thinking that the right answer was to tell nobody. But that was how I had lived my life. And so I began this sort of insatiable quest to try and figure out how to live differently. And I was reading and podcasts and speakers and, and thinkers. And um, it was so exciting to me. It was like the world had gone from black and white to technicolor and I wanted to share it with people. And so I started Nushu and I was bringing speakers in because I saw around me so many other women who had been living exactly in the same way as me. Maybe not as bad as me, but pretty similar, similar, very similar. Um, and I imagine there, there are lots and lots of people who can re relate to just trying to hold it together, you know? And um, as I brought those speakers in and we did events and um, what I realized was the speakers were really great. They really were. But there was something else happening. There was a trust that was being built with these women who were looking to be more honest, who were looking to be more connected. And I had, I think, instinctually created the container for that safety by my own example of being willing to be truthful. And um, I was like, let, let me figure this out. Let me take this out for a spin. What, what would this look like if we didn't bring in a teacher, there was no speaker, and we just 
focused on this container of safety where people feel comfortable and safe to actually tell the truth about what's actually going on in their lives. And so it started with a couple of people in my living room and it was at the beginning of Mushu Group. And since then I've trained over a hundred people and we've had thousands of people in group, but the premise is the same. It's the container of safety. There's lots of teachings out there, but there's not a lot of containers of safety. Um, and so that's really what my work has been focused on. And when you, when you talk about community, there are women who are in this community of Nushu group, particularly facilitators who are learning and growing and supporting each other that is so powerfully supportive. It is so full of love. I cannot even describe to you what I see happening. And it's, it's out of my hands right now. It's out of my hands at this point, right? Like I don't even, I, I, I don't need to do anything. It's there, it exists because these people with an intention of helping others, holding this space have come together to be, I mean, I think deep, lifelong friendships are being built, have been built, where some people will tell me that since they joined the Nushu Group facilitator training, and since they've been in this membership community of facilitators, they have made closer relationships in that space than anywhere else in their life. So there's, you know, there's a number of different things that come together to create the sort of backbone of the philosophy of how we show up in the space. But there's also just um, the intention behind it is really, is really powerful. And I've seen people come into spaces where I'll share the intention from the very beginning um, in the invitation for an event. Here's what we're doing here. Here's what we're not doing here. Here's how I, I expect you to show up. And given the opportunity, people will show up in their highest selves. People will show up without judgment and cattiness and competition. People don't want to show up that way. They, it's a defense mechanism. And if they feel safe, they won't show up that way. They'll show up with love and compassion and openness and non-judgment. And so I've just worked to create the environment, right? I've just worked to create the conditions conducive to people falling into who they want to be. This connection is, we know how to do it. We know how to do it. We've just sort of forgotten and we're afraid. And so if we can create safety and we can create sort of directional intention, people know exactly how to do this with each other. It's, it's like gravity. They just fall right into it. I find this work so powerful. One, well, two reasons. First, what comes to mind to me is I think about just the world we're living in right now with the pandemic and how so many of us are longing for connection. I find this to be so powerful because you're providing that, right? But it's connection and community in an honest, vulnerable way. And the other thing that I love so much is I think that you are really transforming the idea of what it means to be a part of community by creating the container that's safe, right? But something that really strikes me as being so different, even myself, I've been in group coaching, this, that, the other, you're creating the container, but it's not women showing up to be told how to move forward. It's creating the pause, the structure for us to really like hear ourselves, because I think, and I don't know, I shouldn't broad base and say just women do this. I'm speaking from my experience. I, for so much of my life, 
looked to the external to tell me how I was doing this thing called life. And I think there's a real shift that happens when we begin to reclaim our own inner knowing, our own firm foundation, our own truth, and leave the external behind. So I think you're the notion of these communities, I love that it's not prescriptive and it's not women showing up like I need to be better or fixed. It's all of this is already in you. And I think you mentioned it too. It's like the remembering of who we are, right? We let so much bullshit get in our way and we're really dynamic, strong, powerful people just as we are. It's just, it's coming back to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that is what we do in group is create the space for people to hear themselves think for long enough to reclaim what they already know. So I, I'll, you know, people are like, what do you mean by inner knowing intuition, gut feeling? Yes. I mean that too, but I'll give this example. If you've ever been in a relationship and you realize it's not really great, but you stick with it, you stick with it. And then eventually the relationship ends and you realize that you knew six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, that it was wrong for you. You knew some part of you knew a long time ago, but there were all these barriers and fears to you realizing that. And you were ignoring it, right? Like you, you knew it was there, you knew it, but it never sort of bubbled up to the conscious mind where you were sort of honoring that inner knowing. It, you were sort of maybe actively ignoring it or actively pushing it down because it didn't really jive with what you wanted in your conscious mind or you were afraid. And so it's that inner knowing that I think we've become disconnected from that, that sort of, I already know the answer that we're disconnected from. And group gives people a space to hear that. So when the journaling prompts are given and you journal on it, a lot of times people will actually dip in those journaling prompts just below the level of the conscious mind. And they'll share something and they'll say, well, I didn't even realize that. It hadn't even occurred to me that, or, oh, it's so interesting that. And they'll sort of realize something that they knew in some part of themselves that they just hadn't given enough space to. And it's very, very powerful because you can then really act from that inner knowing is a place of deep integrity and deep truth. But if we can't hear it, we can't honor it and we can't then act on it. And listening for honoring, acknowledging and acting on that deep inner knowing is the path to living an authentic life with integrity, is the path to being deeply connected and having purpose and meaning and clarity in your life. And so we give people the space to tap into that. And it's very important that there's no advice giving or answers given for you. Because if you think you're getting the answer, you're never going to listen to your own answer. You know, why, why is it so hard to tap into that? Why have we forgotten? Because we're in a culture of answers, right? We're in a culture of, um, I'll tell you what to do, right? People, you know, when we do events, people love the predictive things like astrology, right? People love astrology. Tell me the answer. Tell me what's going to happen. Um, people love psychics and mediums, right? Tell me, tell me the answer. And frankly, you know, a lot of organized religion, tell me what to do to be good, to be saved. 
Just give me the prescription and I'll do it. Like step one, step two, step three, step four, you tell me. So there's a whole culture of people saying, I will give you the answer. Pay me your money and I'll give you the answer. And frankly, I can totally understand why that's appealing to people because the world is scary. Being human is scary. The, the idea that no one has any answers for you, but you is a scary notion. You're the only one who knows. Nobody can tell you. You're the only one who can figure it out. That feels terrifying, but it's also empowering. And most things that are empowering are also scary. I mean, I sort of think if you're afraid, that's how you know you're on the right track. That's how you know, because owning your power is scary. Owning the fact that you don't need somebody to tell you, you don't need some other person to tell you which way to live, how to live your life, what's up, what's down, what's right, what's left. You don't need anybody but yourself. Owning that power is scary. I love that Marian Williamson quote, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's true. We, I see this so much in women this fear. And I struggle with it myself. You know, I'm not beyond it. It's, it's my ongoing work. I share about it all the time. My fear of owning my power and my wisdom. So I understand, I understand it's really hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for everyone. But when you have a space that's conducive and you can sort of try it out bit by bit, right? That's how we, that's how we learn. We can't, we can't jump from here to all the way over there all at once. No, we, we try it a little bit and say, okay, this feels a little comfortable. I'll go a little further and I'll go a little further. And that's what we create the space for, to be able to hear yourself, to be able to sort of start to realize, oh, actually, I know more than I thought I knew. I can actually understand more than, than I thought. And, and this is not to disparage teachers. You know, there's a lot that can be learned. And I, I listen to podcasts and teachers and I have my own teachers and um, love hearing wisdom. Um, and I, you know, I don't shut that out at all. But the teachers that I respect and that I think are really empowering understand that it is part of their job to push the power back down all the time, to remind people that what their work is is simply um, a vehicle or a mirror to people understanding and uncovering their own inner knowing. So I will often say. Um, in my Instagram or in my training or, or other places, if something that I say sounds completely wrong to you, doesn't resonate with you, just feels off, feel free to throw it out. There is no false authority here. There's a lot of, you know, people sort of try to create the sense of authority, the sense of separateness. Uh, and I really think that that, you know, when, when a teacher or a leader or a guide disowns their humanity with respect to their students, it is doing a disservice to the students because they think that there is some place that they can arrive where they too cannot have that whole range of human experience of fear and shame and guilt and sadness and grief. And it's just not true. And so I see my job as continually sharing and reinforcing and making sure people know, making sure people know that we are all actually human and we are all 
actually teachers and we are all students all the time. All of your teachers are students too and they are learning from you also. And, and that's what happens in group is that there is this incredible dynamic where, and it, it, it almost can't be believed until you've experienced it. And I've had many people in facilitator training say, you know, you said this thing was going to happen. I didn't really understand it. And then I saw it with my own eyes and I couldn't believe it. There is a deep wisdom in the group where at the end of a round of sharing or at the end of a group, you realize that what everyone needed was met by someone else, not even intentionally, not even because they said, I'm going to say this because I think that person needs to hear this. But somehow with everyone simply settling into what is present for them, what is their truth, all the needs get met. And um, that dynamic of everyone in the group is not just receiving, but giving at the same time, not just learning, but teaching at the same time is something that I can't even fully explain, but I have seen happen again and again and again. Something that is so interesting to me is that when we start discovering our own power and what you mentioned too about oftentimes leaders, teachers, whomever are disregarding their own humanity, it really represents their need for holding on to that false sense of power, control, this, that, the other. But to me, what I find the irony, there is more power in not knowing it all. Like, when we start giving permission to just be okay with the fact you're never going to know everything all the time. Like you can always learn from someone above, below, same, whatever, like you can learn everywhere. And that's where I think the real power shift starts happening is when you recognize we're all just trying to figure it out. Like nobody has control over you. Nobody knows, right? You could say technically things, maybe they have more knowledge on a particular particular subject, but no one person is greater than another. And when we start realizing that, I don't know, I mean, I'm not connecting it beautifully here, but it just really resonates to me because we give so much power to things outside of ourselves. And it's false. Like the real power is from connecting to yourself, your own knowing, and also knowing nobody has it all figured out. Like I've heard it, um, you know, imposter syndrome, right. Shows up. And a lot of us, I'll say for me, it shows up Mm -hmm. very strong. And I once heard it framed that you know, you're not an imposter if you fear you're an imposter, because it's the person who thinks they've got it all figured out and doesn't have imposter syndrome. That's the one that you should really be poking holes in because we all feel like that. And if you don't, you're lying to yourself to feel like you're not an imposter in some way, shape or form, you know? So I just, but but it's, but it's hard because, um, the examples set out in front of us are, are, are not that right. So in the self-help, personal growth, wellness world, it's it's a machine, right? It's an industry. It, there's marketing, and um, if you look at some of the very very successful people, there's a um, like brand like all branding. There's sort of a uh, an aspirational um, image that's put out, and people want to be that image, and so they follow that person. They think, well, if I, you know, buy this person's books or cookbooks, or if I, you know, if I do what this person does, then I will have that life, which we all know is a lie. Um, but it sells a lot of stuff, 
uh, frankly. And um, it's really powerful. You know, uh, tell me the answer. Tell me if if you, you know, I'll, <laughs> one of my favorite pastimes is sort of scrolling through things and um, noticing the people who have who have leaned deeply into the guru sort of paradigm, right? Who are like, are like, I'm going fully with this guru paradigm thing where I'm going to tell people like um, marketing, marketing copy, like um, if you follow these five steps, you know, in two weeks, your life will be transformed and you will never be unhappy again. You know, I'm, I'm making it up, but you, you've seen this stuff out there, right? It's like, um, and I'll, I'll do courses and I'll say, you know, in six weeks, your life will be transformed because I will give you ideas and tools to transform your life. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You know, I, I don't get any credit. You're, you're doing all the work. I'm just, I'm just helping you go like this. Sorry, this is a podcast. You can't see what my hands are doing, but it's like, I'm just helping you move your path a little bit to the side so you can walk it. Right. And that's what teachers do. It's like they open doors, they shift your path, or they help you realize that you want to shift your path. But you are walking it, you are doing all the work. You get a hundred percent of the credit for all the work you do. But that's it's hard because you're like, I'm tired. I don't want to do all the work. Just give me the five steps. Just tell me the five boxes to check. And um, so it's, it, I get it. I understand, you know, I understand, but that is not a true path to empowerment. That's not a true path to knowing yourself. And, um, you know, and then there's a lot of guilt and shame around not doing it right. Right. Like, Oh, I'm, I feel so guilty. I, I should be meditating and I can't, I should be eating better. I should be sleeping better. And so there's this, this inherent comparison culture in this world that's supposed to be about well-being. That's supposed to be about um, feeling feeling at ease and comfortable and empowered. That's actually making us feel worse. That's making us feel um, like we're unworthy or we're not getting it right or we're not doing it properly. And then you can layer on um, a whole other layer of toxic positivity where if you have a bad thought or you're angrier than you are not um, enlightened or, or whatever people think they are when they're always happy and always positive. And of course that's a lie too. And that's repression too. And that's, um, so there are a lot of signals out there. There are a lot of um, difficult things to navigate if you are a person who's interested in sort of following a path of self-inquiry and, and figuring things out. But they're also, a lot of really, really powerful, incredible, wise teachers and speakers out there. And so part of what I do, um, and I have a podcast, is, is interview those people and work with those people. And, and there are amazing, amazing people out there. And what I would just offer, if I, if I could, to, to the listener is you'll know inside, right? You'll know. You, you, you'll develop a feeling of, yeah, this, this person actually believes in my own power or this person's actually just focused on theirs you know and then there's that discernment that happens over time that uh, I think one of my one of my gifts is I can smell it from a mile away <laughs> I just know I just know immediately like I it's it's so it's you know some things are very very clear to me and that's something that's really really clear to me um, and that's why I've built 
basically my whole purpose and practice around a modality that by its design has no place for that. Just by its structure has no place for that. Well, I am obsessed with what you are building, creating, have already done so. And like I said, I think that the the message you're bringing is transforming the notion of what it means to be a part of community and really know your own personal power. And, you know, you mentioned your podcast, how else can people connect with you? If they're interested in learning more about Nushu group, tell us all the things, how do we know more about you and Nushu? Yeah, thank you. There's a couple of places. I mean, our website, Nushu.com, N-U-S-H-U.com has all the information on everything we offer We have a newsletter that we send out that you can register for on that website. We're really pretty good about not sending out too many emails, (laughs) maybe one a month, um, because I'm really conscious of of not flooding people's inboxes. So those newsletters are really jam-packed full of um, lots of great, you know, free talks that we share, as well as all of our offerings. Um, Instagram, Nushu, N-U-S-H-U. I'm just Vanessa Cornell uh, on Instagram. And really those are the ways that we share what we do. We offer free webinars from time to time, um, free workshops, um, really focused on making sure that we continue to offer a lot that's that's free um, because we did that during the pandemic when the need was just so high and um, it's important to me to keep doing that. And then the podcast, just the Nushu podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can, you can find me there. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for the insight. I love just picking your brain, learning more about, you know, your perspectives. And I think that there's a lot that people will walk away from guys. If you're listening today, if this has got your wheels spinning, connect with Vanessa, learn more about Nushu. I think it's time that we really do step into our own personal power. We stop thinking that something outside of us knows the answer when really guys, we are all powerful creatures and we are meant to do big things here. And one of which I think is just really getting to know yourself and showing up in a real and authentic way. So I'm so thankful to have had this conversation guys. Thank you for tuning in. And I can't wait to connect with you on a future episode. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Wake Up Call podcast. If you liked what you heard today, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review. It takes just a few minutes and does wonders for helping other people find the podcast. If you want to connect outside of the podcast, you can do so by following at Alicia D. Hopkins on Instagram. And if you really liked the episode you just listened to, do me a favor. Would you screenshot the episode and tag me? I would love to see what's resonating with you. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope today's episode helped you to see that you can wake up to the change that's possible in your life.